0: Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive
1: exclusive perks and early access to content.
0: Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard.
2: It's like a goddamn town meeting.
0: Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by my co-host... Patrick Green, who's just finished his ice cream and is ready to roll. Yeah, what kind of ice cream was that? It was cookies and cream, and oh, oh my gosh. it was so
3: good. <laughs> so, it's my second bowl of it. I, Michael was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going stop
2: eating. <laughs>
0: Well, and here we are tonight uh, to talk about a couple things. The main topic of discussion will be Prometheus, but before we get into that, we have a couple of guests. Number one, Chase Coupo, a patron of ours. Thanks for coming on. Gene McDonald, uh, and also a listener to the show, first time on our show, and for you as well, Chase. Thank you guys for coming on. We didn't really know. We never know how many people are going to be on these shows when we do live shows. Most of the time, it's just Patrick and I, so we're definitely honored to have you guys on. Thanks for taking the time. Hey,
1: thanks for uh, having us, man. Appreciate it.
0: So before we begin uh, talking about the first order of business is going to be, we want to know like what you guys think of like the Marvel acquisition and what that means for Alien. But before we get into that, I'd like to know how you guys got into Alien. Like, what was your first movie? What was that like? Who were you with? How old were you? Any, you anyone can go.
2: Go ahead, you go first.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So the very first Ali- my first experience with Alien was actually Aliens. Uh, we had it on VHS. Um, where it came from, I couldn't tell you because it was kind of just sitting in our, in our VHS collection. I think it might have been my older brother's and he left it behind when he moved out or something. But um, I probably watched the VHS of Aliens hundreds of times as a kid. Um, loved the movie, loved everything about it. Um, I think it probably appealed to me as a young kid because, you know, it was more action-based um, film in the saga, really, with, the Marine, with Colonial Marines and everything. Um, but grew up on Aliens. Got a little bit older, um, and then uh, saw Alien, Alien Three, in, in that order. And I won't get into a long-winded thing, but I started on the Aliens uh, film. That was my first exposure to it, and just you know could go on forever. But just fell in love with the movie and the saga and the whole thing from there. So that, that's how I started on on the whole uh,
2: franchise. Uh, I'm. Uh, God, how old am I? I'm 23 now. Uh, Turning 24 soon. So it was about 10 years ago when I was in high school around my sophomore year that uh, I really discovered alien as a kid uh, when I was younger I saw the artwork for alien versus predator and I the design had me but uh, my parents were like nah It's not for you my friend. So I had to wait a good solid 10 years after that came out to see something and the first things I saw was predator and predator 2 and initially I had no interest in alien for some reason I'm not sure what it is about predator that had me initially but uh, like I said, my sophomore year in high school wasn't the greatest year. I was kind of lone wolf. It. I was going through some things. You know, I was a teenager. And uh, I remember sitting down to watch Alien one day. It was, a Saturday, it was like a Saturday morning, alone at my house, and I watched Alien. And uh, I fell in love. Uh, the first time I saw the inside of the, the Nostromo, and when I saw the Derelict, uh, just from then on, it's been a really important part of my life. And it, was, uh, it started at an important developmental time of my life, too. So Alien is important.
0: Awesome, awesome guys.
3: I I love how we all there, everybody has their own kind of like personal creation myth with these things, you know, not, not myth, like fake, these are all real, but it's like, we all, as we kind of like evolve in our fandom over years and like sort of settle into who we are and like kind of our, our identity starts to coalesce. There's that, that moment, you know, like we all remember finding like Gene finding that tape, you know, or like Chase, having that like kind of like that forbidden fruit that you like always wanted to come back around to. It's like, and for me, it, it was, you know, the video store that I kept that I kept riding my bike to and I kept wanting to take this VHS out and finally I just lied to my parents and took it out and it's like my life changed from that we all have these these moments and I I always get such a kick out of hearing it
1: It, Um, your fandom evolves too right as you get older and you experience life and things like that like as a kid it was like marines shooting aliens right which is such a I mean that such a way to cheat the movie in itself but as a kid that's what it is right and had that not been sitting there, and me not get so enamored with just that alone to explore further into it. But yeah, just as you get older, I'm 33 now, and my views on the movies change, and the order in which I love them change. And I watched Prometheus to prep for this two hours ago, and I view the movie differently than I did sorry, when I watched it a month before. That.
0: Sorry you had to do that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Coming nope. out swinging. But uh,
0: I I remember also, Patrick and I have discussed this before, um, going to Blockbuster Video, or before there was Blockbuster, there was Errols Video, um, which was the big, huge chain for a while until Blockbuster came in and then bought Errols out. And I remember seeing Errols, E-R-O-L-S. Errol's video. Oh, man, we yep. did not have those. Crazy. Here. Yeah, I'm older than you. I think. <laughs> we had to get like, the, the
3: projector reel, and you had to like wind Shut it up. up when you got home. Shut or, like, up. Yeah, yeah. There was no sound, Max, but yeah.
0: like, <laughs> Dad, get it going. It's going. <laughs> <laughs> the, some kind
3: of piano in the background. <laughs>
0: <laughs> foley, real Foley sound.
3: <laughs>
0: I thought this was a talkie. Uh, no, but uh, but seeing the alien covers. In the sci-fi section, yeah, dude. like on the top, the alien, I just remember like every time going to the movie theater or to the, to the video store, like I need those movies, you know? Cause at that point I couldn't see all of them. I'd maybe only seen one and they were R rated. I was 14 and a younger you know, and I couldn't see him, but I would desperately want to see him. That was like magic going into the video store at that time.
3: Oh God, it was so magical. And and specifically for genre films. And that's something that is totally lost now because so much of my love for horror and science fiction comes from being a kid, looking at this incredible artwork and like seeing paintings by Frank Frazetta on the, on the shelves and wondering like what, what could possibly be behind this and like, and just getting it because it looked cool or it looked scary or was intriguing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, that's, that's totally a, a, a lost pause at this point but anyway that's neither here nor there i do want to get back to something um which is what jamie mentioned a moment ago about the acquisition of uh the property from dark horse by marvel by way of disney which is something we just put an episode out about we've talked quite a bit about people know our opinions on it but chase and gene um we haven't heard your opinions on this yet and your thoughts uh what do you guys have any are you comic people or have you been dark horse fans what do you what do you think
1: well, here I, I'll, I'll go first on this because I actually do not go have comic book experience with the, the franchise. Um, but on its surface, although I don't have much to add to this, I, it worries me <laughs> because it's Marvel. And I know Dark Horse had more of a darker uh, aesthetic to it when it comes to the, the comic books and stuff. A little bit I perused. Um, I can't really add anything of substance. But uh, the fact that it's Marvel, the news worries me. But I'm, you know, I don't know.
0: Chase, what do you think?
2: Right. Uh, I'm sort of in the same boat. I, I don't know quite what to expect. Uh, I'm also not a huge fan of, the, of comics in general, especially with the franchise. As a kid, I inherited a lot of my dad's Spider-Man comics, and I liked Spider-Woman a lot, too. And uh, But in terms of Alien, I haven't really had too much experience. I've only read, I think, Alien Resistance. And then I did read that uh, Fire and Stone comic. And I uh, enjoyed some of them to a point. But with the Marvel acquisition, um, I just have to wait and see as comics I think are an easier way for them it's a nice jumping in point for them probably instead of committing to a TV show or committing to a movie or a franchise they can see if they can bring a uh, probably a more toned-down image and and, uh, story to the pages while still uh, getting the reaction that they're looking for so I I'm assuming it's not going to be as bad as I think I don't think they're going to be crossing over with Iron Man and Thor at least immediately but uh, I think this will actually be a good uh, waiting in point. And the one thing is, is that Marvel does have some damn good storytellers and uh, artists. So you know, it's at least going to be fun in a certain way.
3: Totally, Marvel is is the it's the destination if you are trying to get into mainstream comic, you know, writing and art. I mean, that, that's if if you can land a contract with them for a book, that's like that's that's the top. You know, yeah. so yeah, it does attract incredible talent, and we saw that already with David Finch's artwork you know, which is already incredibly good. I mean, I feel like there's, you know, I, I've been trying to kind of monitor some sort of fan community reactions since at least that episode came out a few days ago. And, um, and it does seem pretty mixed. It seems like there's a lot of apprehension, but it does seem, you know, Sean Sumner, our buddy, you know, was saying how like at the end of the day, it just means we're getting more comics. And that's, you know, that's true too. I mean, uh, no matter what, from a business perspective, it's a good thing for the IP, I think, because it will—it's—it's it's giving it a home that has money and has resources and has a lot of talent and has a very deep pool behind it. So, like, there's that element of safety that I think is something that we shouldn't take for granted. But in terms of storytelling, etc., yeah, that's—that's that's anyone's guess.
0: I also think it's probably going to be a a larger audience per se, just because Marvel is so much bigger. It's going to introduce Alien. I'm I I, I don't, I'm not saying that Alien suffers from a small audience. At the same time, it definitely doesn't have the audience that Marvel has. So Marvel's going to be able to put out an Alien comic, whatever they're going to do, and launch it into uh, a framework that Dark Horse doesn't have. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how popular it is and what stories they go with and what stories they pick up on. I mean, I think that's really right on in terms of what they release and what those stories are. And it will tell them, hey, they really like this story. Maybe this would work as a series or another movie.
3: and even just in terms of the distribution network like by default marvels is the, is the biggest because like every single comic book you know carrying business in the country you know has marvel comics not all of them have dark horse and so it's it's, it's just a wider footprint um and i think that that's something you know but i will definitely miss dark horse hugely as evidenced by my background I, I, that's just i mean that's that, honestly that's something that i I'm glad we mentioned it on that episode but it's what I've been thinking about. It it's, it's it's actually the only thing that I've been thinking about when it comes to this news over the last few days is how upset I am for Dark Horse. Um and how it's it's just such a I mean I was reading their their release about it because they put a statement out, you know, on on Facebook and Twitter about um the situation which I hadn't read before we recorded but in in that they say, you know, Disney pulled the rights. <laughs> So, um, you know, there was some speculation when we were talking in the episode about whether or not they like bought the rights from Dark Horse or if there was any kind of a transactional element to it. But it really looks like they just, you know, kind of declared them in the domain because they own the property now, which makes sense. But I, it just sucks because like there are some companies to me who deserve um, special treatment, you know. Titan Books doesn't deserve that to me. Like, I, I don't want to like, come out. I, I mean, we have friends at Titan. We have people who write for them and people, editors who are friends at Titan. I'm not shitting on Titan Books because they give us a lot of great stuff. But like, but they, you know, there's been a lot of kind of hits and misses and, you know, it's been, um, I feel like they haven't done a huge job of fan outreach and things like that. You know, there's other companies like that too. But Dark Horse has been there at the absolute core of fan, of like really hardcore fandom now for almost 40 years, which is just crazy to me. And they have tr- they have consistently been experimental. They have tried to give a lot of creative license to people. You know, there are comics that are written that are drawn with pastels. You know, there's just all these wonderful, brilliant trips that they've got, taken us on through the years. And they've um and, and they really deserve, in my opinion, special treatment. And the other company, before I shut up briefly, that I want to mention, because you know, I talked to my friend Mike Dennis about this quite a bit, is NECA, who I think has similarly through the years just done an astounding job, like above and beyond what we would ever have expected them to do for Alien in particular and and, and other franchises, but really for Alien. Like they, you know um, just every single year, coming out with that many new series and that many new repaints and that many new versions, having the Alien Collectors Club going for years with exclusive variants and all these things, and having conventions and always being on top of the news cycle and always putting things out and surprising us, and you know, giving us that Resurrection series recently and the Alien Three stuff recently, and all all of these just the constant watering of the garden of the Alien Extended Universe fandom through the years, and and I and I and I really do worry because, like we mentioned on the episode, you know, Disney has all of the apparatus. And all of the business arrangements with toy companies to produce whatever they want to produce, you know. Um, and I and I just I hope that NECA doesn't get
0: steamrolled. With yeah, I me mean, neither. I hope ne- they keep it with NECA. It's working. They look great. There's no reason, unless Disney. Well, Disney makes profit off of you know their their agreements, so they're not making. Uh, well, they own 20th Century, so they are making the, that profit. So. They make the licensing profit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so the, it's sh- the
3: actual merchandise profit
0: that they. They shouldn't. I mean, but who knows there's no predicting what, what they're going to do. Uh, it's very interesting.
1: So you, real quick, you know, as far as, you know, I don't have much to contribute as far as the comic, but you do make a great point as far as getting into the Marvel family, right? Like you're getting some more mainstream juice. That's fantastic. They've got tons of money. Isn't a problem. So you are going to bring probably some fresh eyes to the franchise, which is fantastic. I guess my worry would be, if we, you know, and I know comics crossing over is big in comic books and things like that. And I'm looking at uh, Dave Finch's two uh, promotional images and they're pretty badass, so that's cool. But um, do you two fear, or the three of you fear that, you know, if they kick off a series of crossover comics, things like that, that it it might take the alien movies in a direction we might not like? You know, as, you know, back in the day you know, what, what we have, we had, um, James Cameron and, um, Ridley Scott working on a sequel way back. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they got put, that got pushed to the side for aliens versus predator, which I won't even go there, but, um, you know, these things get steamrolled and, and pushed off and shelved and, it's exciting in one sense because we get all these new folks into the game. Right. And Marvel is massive. So it's okay, cool. So now alien gets a breath, a breath of fresh life. We get that main street juice going, but do you guys fear it could take us into campy movie land again? Or I I don't know. It's.
0: Well, that's my fear. Okay. Yeah. But I also think that they don't know what to do. I think alien is at the point where They've tried, you know, Prometheus, sort of successful. You know, definitely made some money, but then they tried to, but for some reason they were like, no, let's not go in this direction. Then they tried Covenant, right. and that really didn't make massively any money. successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then before then, you were talking Alien Resurrection, the AVP Requiem, which was a flop. Then you had right. you know, Alien Three, which was a flop. Alien Three flopped. I mean, there's no bones about that. Yeah, smart, right. Film, but it didn't make any money. I think. Um, they're probably all scratching their heads thinking, what can we do? My suspicion is that they're going to um, circle around, circle the wagons around uh, Marines in space because it's... Yeah tried and true uh, i think that's a little right safe. if they do it it's it's too safe but at the same time i think they're damned if they do and they're they're damned if they don't i don't know there i think people are like well, how do we make this successful but i think largely you make it successful and we've said this before patrick and i where you have people who really want to tell a story number one right and until that happens you're just scratching around to see what works and that's yeah. gonna either lose money or it's gonna make money right now it's just losing money so we'll see
3: but I, I do want to say though that, and then I want to toss it off the chase because I think you're about to say something, but just briefly, that I, I think that um, Marvel is a place that is, te- I mean, it's exploding with gifted storytellers, many of whom are huge science fiction nerds, and I'm sure a ton of them love Alien as much as any of us do, or at least close to it. And, and I feel like there's a good chance now that it's exposed to a different, you know, um, creative team or a creative department that like there could be some really great storytelling avenues opening up because of this. I mean, I mean there, there are people writing at Marvel who are some of the best writers in, in the world in any genre or any media. So I think that, um, you know, it, it it's cool. I, I love the idea that there was going to be new writers rooms now of people sitting around spitballing ideas for things. And then, you know, things can rise to the top within that context. And we can have some really, I mean, I didn't even actually consider this, Gene, that's an awesome question because I think that this actually could be opening up, totally unforeseen new story angles for potential like they, they, this could be a group of people who could realistically crack the code on how to stop being damn what they do and damn if they don't because they are Jamie you're right obviously like no matter what they do now half of us are going to hate it and half of us are going to love it and nobody's going to go see it right like the, Like where the franchise is right now it will be divisive so um, I think having a kind of a clean hard reset like this could be a, a really fruitful thing and could surprise us tremendously Chase
2: go ahead Oh yeah, thanks. No, uh, the funny thing, I so the alien, the alien view, thats the part that I feel like I'm not sure about. I I kind of agree to what you guys uh, mentioned that it's probably going to be uh, more Marines in space or something like that. I think it's going to be. I think they're going to only be an action sort of the angle. I don't think they're going to be able because of the audience that they're trying to cater to, which is everybody and families. They're not going to lean into the horror, the dark stuff, the one person versus the one kind of thing. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking about it now. In terms of the Predator franchise, it's kind of funny. I think that's going to be easy for them to get a hold, to get a grip on. I, I feel like we're going to definitely see another movie within the next five years, uh, similar to how they tried to reboot it with a uh, uh, The Predator. You know, they got a, an action comedy director to to put a, a twist on it and uh strip away a bit of the uh the darkness of the uh the science fiction or, well like the horror science fiction so i know i feel like predator is going to be fine in a way i'm not sure how i'll like it but i think they're going to get that easy the predator. alien is the question i just think it's going to move a little bit away from what i and others would uh kind of associate with it
3: it's a good point about predator henry I, I, it's funny i keep forgetting that they, they're also wrapped up in the steel too it, it's whenever there's like predator news, I don't know if you guys are in this boat too. I always get like messages from people who are like, did you see this? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really follow predator stuff very much. Like I get that they fight each other. sometimes, But I sometimes like, even forget that, that that's a wrapped up th- this news, but that's a huge thing too. Right. And I think that, um, that predator as a property, I think you're right. Chase is more easily translatable to, comics especially the sort of comics that we get from like superhero houses like this in that um i think you know it's good for them too though like i I think that honestly that this will be in the long run a a beneficial thing for predator i i I do think though that with with alien there is there should always be an avant-garde aspect to it even when there's space marines involved i think it should always feel a little bit strange and a little bit idiosyncratic and and that's something that i kind of hope isn't lost but anyway I do think, though, Unless it's gonna Shane's be again. easier.
0: It's gonna be easier for them to make a Predator movie, because all they have to do is get someone who does not making fun of it. Because that's all Shane Black did the whole time was make fun of it. Just it was one big parody. He just made fun of the he made fun of those series the entire time. So all they and I think Predator is pretty straightforward. It's just got a, a kind of built-in audience. You'll get a bunch of men going to the kick ass. You know, I mean, it's just it's easy. Alien isn't that way. I think Predator, with a comic and a movie, it's gonna be they're going to be able to get a return on their investment with Brett here. You know, with, with alien, the, you know, again, the broken record is there. What have they been doing? They've been, Oh, this worked before. Let's try this. Let this work before. Let's try this again. Let's, let's try this again, but in a little slightly different way. And that's just, that isn't working. Um, so it's going to just take some expertise and that aside, filmmaking is an art form. Um, even, even films that, you know, I mean, films that are successful are still an art form films that are made by Michael Bay that make, 300 million dollars in two weeks are an art form whether we think that they're art or not he has a certain style that he goes for and he's successful and draws everybody into the theater Um, so i think they have to tap into what why that works but also why alien worked in the the beginning and that's not about story beats it's about character beats however we can uh, progress into prometheus I just want to say Michael Bay's aesthetic is that of being hit by a baseball bat in the head,
3: <laughs> and being confused about where you are. That's every time i see anything that he's done over the last 20 years, I, I'm, I feel like I have like actual vertigo or something. I'm like, what, what is going on in this movie right now? But anyway, moving on, um, continue to share your thoughts with us, people listening and watching this, to this, um, watching to this. Uh, Because this is something this is really huge news for us and I think it's it's sort of hitting us in waves what a big deal This is and so like we we do want to continue to hear from you guys what you think how you're processing it So keep posting building better worlds send us your messages come on the air for you know our next roundtable Because this is something that I I personally as a huge comics person and a huge alien person Am wrestling with how I actually feel like this is something that I'm struggling with Um, And I think it would be really fun to kind of process this together But going back for a moment, so, so Jamie, you proposed a roundtable to sort of get us back into Prometheus mode, which is the series that we keep, we, we are still doing this series, people, okay? This is still <laughs> happening, it's just taking a long time, because the Gates world it, is exploding, there's so much shit going on all the time, we can never concentrate <laughs> sure. on anything. Sure, sure. So, but we are getting back <laughs> to Prometheus right now, tonight, with our awesome panel of Gene and Chase slash people at home listening who can type into, into Facebook as you're watching this. Yeah, but If you guys you have really any questions or whatever, whoever's but, watching, let us know. Um, we uh, we want to revisit Prometheus a little bit and get some other opinions on it. And specifically, Jamie, if you want to tee it up a little bit, you, you had the idea of setting this up sort of like a debate.
0: Yeah, well, it's a divisive film. People know where we stand on it, um, but I th- also think people understand that where we stand on it, you and I, Patrick, it's complicated. It's not just this. Well, I don't think for you it's complicated. You just hate it. <laughs> it's true. Do not, I do not hate it. <laughs> yes, he hates it. I do. Uh, some but, it, but I, I felt don't like the whole thing. I don't know uh, fandom. This is a div- the the prequels are divisive. You guys know this. You guys are. Uh, I don't know how involved you are, uh, Gene, in the groups or whatever. I don't know. I don't. I think. Am I friends with you, Chase? I don't know. But I don't know how involved with the groups you are. But it, when there's mention of the prequels, all of a sudden... I mean, it's it, people are more friendly than they used to be. But before, it was like the death knell. Let's talk about Prometheus. And people are like, fuck Prometheus. You know, or "Or I love Prometheus. That's great. Fuck you. You know, th- those types of debates. And we're interested to see <laughs> what a consensus was. And I don't think two of you, because people know our consensus, is a consensus. But we were just interested to know, like... Is it a complicated film for you guys? Is it something that you're like, no, this wasn't successful and I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. Or is it like, oh, no, there's something good. There's something, you know, there's something worthwhile there. So we thought we'd just open the forum up to the people on tonight's show. So I'll just start with that. Again, people know where Patrick and I stand. We will chime in uh, once the discussion gets going a little bit more. All
2: right, I'll go first. I get to be the party clasher because I absolutely love the I love movies. It goes alien and then movie for me.
0: Oh, Whoa. well, Chase. It was great out great out having you oh. on the show. Thanks for coming on the show. God damn.
3: Oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna go take a call. Yeah, no, that's
0: fair. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine.
3: No,
2: that's good. Go
0: that's ahead. great, though. That's great. We want, we want a discussion. We want a lively discussion.
3: It's a cool movie. I'm, I'm not shitting on every aspect of it.
2: Right. It's, um, I think, well, there's, so I do actually think it's, like, good and solid, but I'm also part of the crowd where, so I mistaked my years earlier. I'm, uh, it was longer ago than I thought. I mistreated. It was 2011 when I was a sophomore in high school, not 2014. I think that's my idea. But um,
0: <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, wow. But, um, uh, so
2: it was in 2011, and that was... It was really I was that was really in the midst of when Prometheus was getting really gearing up. So once I watched the Alien movie and I was looked I was interest, really interested and I loved them and I was looking up more. That's when I found that Prometheus was coming. So right when I got into the franchise, I got swept up into that boat, and I think that's part of it. But I mean, amidst with all the problems with certain execution on uh, the surface level, and then I think uh, in terms of some decisions story wise, even you know regarding all that i um, uh, I just. I really respect what Ridley Scott did. I think uh, that the big, grand, uh, uh, sort of masterpiece, sort of a kind of thing, he tried to get into the alien universe and, and do something a little different. It worked. We did. Jim, uh, how, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah. So you know what? Um, this is another one where my feelings on it have kind of evolved with time. So when it when it first came out. I was ravenous for anything alien because at that point I'd watched the first three a million times and resurrection sparingly. Um, but, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, here we go. Right. And then, you know, of course they tried to make a big deal and say, well, it's not really connected to alien, but obviously we all knew that was a bunch of bull. Right. Um, so, I mean, I went to the theater and I walked out and I was like, you know, the, you know, you have the, uh, the, the trilobite and the uh, the engineer and they birth this like thing that looks eerily close to a xenomorph. And you're just like, okay, where is this going? Right. Um, I like Prometheus a lot. I like the big ideas. I like the, I like the big, you know, where did we come from? Why did they, why? Okay. We're created. Why did they want to destroy us? I liked, I liked the long journey that that movie wanted to take us on. Like I was down, I was down to, to take that journey. The problem is covenant is then here comes covenant and you almost have to talk about covenant if you talk about Prometheus, because Prometheus leaves these things unanswered and you know, it gives, leaves more questions than answers, obviously, but then covenant hits and David made the xenomorphs and spoiler alert, David engineered the, the, uh, the xenomorphs and it kind of just like gift wraps everything up into a quick, like, here you go thing and it was half, half baked. Um, and then I enjoyed Prometheus and I I think it's a great movie on its own, but then we get Covenant and it almost diminishes Prometheus because it doesn't take some of those things to the finish line. And so as a movie and as on its own, I love it, but as it pertains to the entire universe, I almost feel like it almost got watered down and where it could have went it didn't really get to go there. It didn't really get to take us there for whatever reason. I just don't think Ridley Scott was able to go all the way with that due to interference or whatever. I mean, again, I know this is Prometheus, but you know, the xenomorph at the end of covenant almost felt like a, Hey, we got to throw this in, you know, it just, I thought it was a good start to something that didn't get to be seen through to the end. So again, I don't know, long convoluted answer, but I, I think, I think it w- had a great idea. I liked where it was trying to go, but I just don't think, I don't think it was going to be able to be, we weren't able to, to see what what the end game was. And because of that, it kind of hurts it. I don't know. As long and winding, can you make any sense of that at all? I mean, oh, yeah, totally. I watched, I watched, long I watched and
3: winding. It. he's long and I'm winding, those are our middle names.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to mute me at some point. Um, but no, but no, I mean, I just watched it and you know, I'm watching it, and on its own, I'm just like, God, if the sequel could have been what really Scott really wanted, you know, I think it was going to be a trilogy, right? Based on Prometheus, you know, I, I felt like there was something there, I think it could have really been something, but. Um, I think Covenant comes out and it, it kind of damages Prometheus. But, but
2: That's yeah, interesting.
3: And, and it's something that I, I want to, I have a question about. But before I get to that, we do have questions coming in from the live stream. Um, and uh, I want to just tell people, we are, we are reading this and we're going to be, going to be reacting to it. So continue. If you, if you can't join us on here, you can do it there and, and we'll try to like incorporate some of the stuff. So if you have things that you want to chime in with, as we're talking, you can kind of join the debate via this virtually. But what's up, Kyle Burton? I want to see those tats. Mike Vukovich, what's up, dude? Seth Holbrook, Stevie Douglas, I agree. The Transformer movies do feel like someone throwing cutlery at you. That's a really, really apt way to do it. Clara, hope you're feeling better. Hope your family's feeling better. You guys know you're struggling with the flu. And my buddy Dave, glad you like the tat. Um, so, so Gene, going back to uh, your point, which I think was really good. Uh, it, although I disagree with you, um, for, <laughs> if, if there were another prequel film, do you think it could potentially redeem uh, Covenant for you vis-a-vis Prometheus and, and strengthen Prometheus again? Is, is Do you think, how much of this feeling is wrapped up in Covenant being the de facto conclusion of the prequel trilogy or prequel run for you, do you think?
1: Um, well, you know, I mean, the ending of Pr- Prometheus, it's intriguing, right? Because Elizabeth, you know, again, I don't know, I'm not sure, you know, her reasoning, I felt was like kind of hokey, but you know, she wants to go find where the engineers live. Okay. And how we got to that point is a whole nother thing. But, um, you know, I just felt like covenant kind of, it kind of condensed that whole thing that could have been a whole second act, a fantastic second act too. Um, Shaw's dead, David found, found them and destroyed every one of them and i felt like it just kind of so to answer your question can the third movie redeem it um i i don't know i kind of feel like that shit i kind of feel like that cake is baked already like i i i i don't think you can i think you've kind of severed that at this point and now it's like you know i i I don't know if if he'll he'll make that third but at this point now it's just how do you connect covenant to the beginning of Alien, right, which was the original idea. Um, I do not, for me, in my opinion, I think just because of how the the sequence of events and how they how they kind of gave gave you so many answers in Covenant. Um, I, I don't think it could. I really don't think it could. I think I think Prometheus just lives on, in my opinion, as a what started out as a a promising start to a trilogy, and now it's kind of a jumbled mess of a first of three films? You know, I don't know. I, it's a good question, but I just don't, I don't know how it would, because you can't, you can't really circle back at this point um, and re-answer some of the questions that were answered in Covenant. Um, so I don't know. I don't think so.
3: It's funny, because in my, my headcanon about Covenant, which everybody knows I love, is that it's not the end of it, and it's actually not pre- presenting as many answers as it appears to be. Um, And there's a part of me that's a little bit apprehensive, honestly, that if another prequel movie were made, it would turn out that Covenant was sort of two-dimensionally answering a lot of things. In my head, knowing the personnel that were behind Covenant, knowing the people who wrote it and made it, it seems to me like they they were kind of setting us up for another layer of mystery to come. I don't think that a third prequel film... Would be kind of a Rogue One alighting into the beginning of New Hope moment, which I mean, mm-hmm. to be fair, like that's one of my one of my favorite moments in any Star Wars movie. Yeah, when, those, right. when they link up, right? But again, like I was right. saying earlier, with comic books, right? Like Alien is not supposed to be neat and tidy like that, and I agree with what sure. you saying, James. I, I I think that it's supposed to be mysterious and supposed to be strange, right? So like, so that's why I feel like if it turns out that the trajectory of these three films was really linear like that and was really just Bing Bang Boom, point A to point C. And I would be disappointed too, and I would probably like Covenant a little bit less, to be honest uh, with you. And maybe mm-hmm. I would like Prometheus a little bit more in that in that case. But I hear what you're saying, and um, right. it's hard to say, you know.
1: Yeah, um, and real quick, I and my, that wouldn't be my hope. I, I guess I just what I'm I'm looking at the movies now and what they present, and I feel like that that's what they're teeing up at this point. Like, but no, I I would certainly not like to be anywhere near you know the beginning of the first film but
0: yeah it's interesting i i hearing Chakes here you talk about your love and you're at a point in your life when you saw prometheus where you were the age that i was when i was seeing the alien films um and it made a profound effect on upon me you know i saw Ali- i was a little bit younger when than you were when i saw aliens i think i was about 10 or 12 um But and then when Alien 3 was coming into the theaters, I was around your age. Um, So it makes sense to me that you, Prometheus, would have this profound effect upon you for sure. And I think, as always, these conversations between Patrick and guests, uh, or Patrick and I, they aren't cut and dry. They're They're not like, oh, I hate it or I don't. It's, it's, it's tough because there are elements of Prometheus that I absolutely adore. I think those engineers are the scariest movie monster I've seen um, in a long, long time. They're terrifying. When he's coming after Shaw in that ship at the end, that's fucking terrifying. Um, and you just see him marching through that little capsule that she's in, and and of course, they're not saying anything, sort of like the alien, where the alien's quiet and the alien of course doesn't talk it's this animal and it's clear that the engineers are these high functioning godlike creatures but it's also not talking it's not doing anything it's just marching towards her so it takes on a little bit of that alien quality and it's terrifying and i think that idea of the engineer and the lore and their ship and it was beautiful and I would love to have seen more of that in Covenant. I would love to have seen more of that aesthetic. And all of that aesthetic was dropped in Covenant. All of the richness, the beauty that you see in Prometheus. Prometheus is parallel to only Alien, in my opinion. It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, And for that reason, I could watch it again. Um, And I I think that there's a lot in there. I think uh, by the time we do get to Covenant, I miss Shaw. When they go into that derelict, again, for the third time, uh, (laughs) they find Shaw, the, the... the projection of Shaw. I want to see her. I miss her. And I felt like this is a character I, at this point I care about just because they had that one short film that released before covenant with, with Shaw and David, what was the name of that film? The short film?
3: Crossing, right? The crossing.
0: Yeah. And I felt like that was gripping and it got into more character. And again, it set up this idea that we are, we are really in for a character driven film with covenant. Um, when in fact that wasn't the case, but, in retrospect, I think almost by accident, I end up wanting to know more about Prometheus by the time we reach Covenant, even though I think Covenant's a better film in terms of writing. Um, but there, there are so many worthy things. Uh, even the creation of David himself, I think David is wholly interesting, for sure. You don't know, he doesn't have the type of, you just don't know where he's coming from in terms of. What his directives are with ash and alien you knew his directives were coming from weyland yutani he was there to protect that creature he was there essentially to bring it back or to make sure it gets back somehow with david you don't really know like maybe maybe vickers told him to do something you're not really sure maybe way um charles wayland is a charles i can never or peter is it peter I can never remember. It's Peter. Yeah, it's Peter. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you don't know if he's acting fully on Peter's orders or if there's a malfunction going on there, and so that's that's fascinating to me. Um, it's 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 a whole world. It's a whole discussion into itself where David is coming from, and I think Prometheus, we have Prometheus to thank for that. You know, this okay. So then I get into the the part of the conversation that we've had. Ten thousand times which was really the lack of really interesting characters in i think by the time you meet shaw in the crossing i'm interested in her i want to know who that woman is i'm interested in her journey by the time we see her silhouette um in that that uh the the chair the you know to whatever she's doing in that chair i'm like what happened to her that's a question i do want answered but they didn't and they left it behind which to your point gene i think it was it's kind of like too late i don't know if they can redeem it I don't know if it it is redeemable, but there there are so many great things about Prometheus for me, it just dies when characters open their mouths um, and I don't know how you can save that I just don't know I don't know if there's any saving i think I do think probably with Prometheus, the ideas are what fuels that film it's a film about ideas it's not a film about character, and as much as I hate to say that as not that I hate to say that, but that's not why I go to alien films. That's just the truth of Prometheus. It's an ideas film. It's not a character film, and we got to live with it. And you either like it, or you have a complicated relationship with it, or you don't.
2: Right. Uh, no, I agree. It's unfortunate that Prometheus uh, is just... So I always say, uh, what, was, what you're trying to think here, the big ideas, a lot of the stuff going on behind some of the subjects of what it seems like they were trying to get at, and some of the questions that have been used, that was like the focus and I want that in the film, like that, like art, I, I want that kind of stuff, I want to think. But um, even though I can stand it more than you know the few do and uh, maybe even more than Jane and others, uh, there, it is a problem, it feels like the basic idea, like the basic execution of like simple character stuff that fell for the background. And um, that's when, uh, a couple months after for me, I finally started to acknowledge some flaws. Uh, that's when I was, I, uh, I was hopping on the train. There was a lot of discussion, uh, how different of a filmmaker Ridley Scott is now, how he's uh, been a legend for so long, and so. Uh, but it seems like he might be at the point where uh, uh, some of the character work and some of the things that just kind of came with naturally to the stories he was directing and creating when he was younger it doesn't seem to be there now, it seems to have a different mindset, it seems to be different than us. So uh, I do think Prometheus is stuff for that, and I think Gene is also right. There was a lot, a lot of potential for whatever the trilogy, for like the six movies that Richard Scott guy kept talking about initially. Uh, if Prometheus was a, a great idea to start a trilogy, but uh, due to decisions with Covenant, uh, I think any true potential to have like a great, you think uh, it's not going to work out. I don't see any actual way to continue come back. Uh, the only thing I've been imagining for an interim sequel is something where, with Ridley Scott kind I talked about, where David goes to 6, he starts the colony, he, he creates this fault, this, he goes to the colony on his line, he's like the leader of it, and then uh, it, it could, it could mean he's still doing experiments, he has this hive or something that. That people find out about and that's when all the horror and the hell breaks loose but i don't think there's ever going to be anything close to the potential uh that would see and it sucks in a way uh that's the kind of that since i started since for me, was important to me when it was when i first got into alien that's the kind of stuff i want from the franchise so uh it's uh it's an interesting trail i just i don't think we're ever going to see the that third that
3: me too. And, and honestly, I, I think we're maybe, I mean, I, I, maybe we're better for it, you know, like maybe at this point we have these two interesting, very different, very divergent prequel films that set up lore that is sort of just going to float around out there. And then, you know, we can kind of return back to the other more canonically, you know, understandable stuff. Um, and, and these can be two very different, very interesting experiments. It's something that I, I, I have a question that I want to pose to all of you. Um, and before I do, I just want to say, I, to me, like the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes of Prometheus are golden. Like those are seven, eight, seven and a half, seven out of 10 for me film <laughs> moments. I think I, I love the way Prometheus begins and I love the way Prometheus ends. And I, I detest, I, I actually hate everything between those two points. which <laughs> is really hard for me because I think that the beginning and the end are exquisite filmmaking. I mean, amazing alien filmmaking. And then just the whole entire stretch of this long movie in the middle, I am completely tuned out. Even, and I'm fighting myself the whole time watching these characters do these ridiculous things and watching these, these stupid events happen and, and wondering why people are motivated to do the things that they're doing and feeling totally drawn out of it. And then it's bookended by this art, this poetry, this extraordinary stuff that I agree with Jamie, I think is right up there with Alien in terms of its aesthetic beauty. And and Chase, like you were saying, I mean, like those moments right there mean to me almost what Alien means to me. But man, the rest of the movie just is hitting me over the head the rest of the time with all these things that I just don't like. And that's frustrating. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that that we will explore throughout this series. And, you know, we're going to be looking at different versions of the script we're going to be looking at different creative decisions that were made. We're going to be talking to people involved with the production in various capacities and trying to get at the heart of kind of what what some of those decisions were that made the film uneven. But I think that I I, I really, I, I feel like I owe it to people to be really clear when I say that I don't, yeah, I know we joke about it, but I, I really don't hate Prometheus as a whole, as a film. I really don't. But I feel very strongly about the parts that I dislike because I feel like they really do a disservice to the parts that I do like, which I think are unbelievably good.
0: Which is um, funny because now you're tapping into exactly my opinions on Covenant. There's so much of it that I love, but what I don't like ends up negatively impacting um, what I do. Uh, one thing that you're saying though, which really makes sense, I don't like Shaw for almost all of Prometheus until the end. By the yeah. end of it, where she's lost everything that character I'm into that character that doesn't have the perfect words. uh, Oh, it's what I choose to believe. Oh, no weapons here. Like this sort of shut up. Like who wrote this? You know, what, who wrote, who wrote this? What room were they sitting in? What woman do they know? What scientist woman or archeologist woman have they met who talks like this by the end of it, though, I felt like this is a character and I, you know, when she's, running away from the, the the derelict or the juggernaut that's rolling and then she has to find her way and then she goes to find um, David and he's talking to her I am on board with Shaw at that point the end of the film I'm with it's just everything well like you said probably the first before the you know whenever after everyone wakes up then it loses me but uh, yeah, yeah it's it's tough too and we've had this conversation before it's tough when some uh, a series that you love and that is one of the biggest inspirations in your life fails you because you want to love it and you can't. And so then you take it personally, like how least I do, even though it's not meant personally, uh, but it's, it's a tough thing to wrestle with, but you have to get to a place where you can love something imperfectly. And that's not something that we're used to doing as fans. Fans either want to be like, yes or no, but another interesting parallel to Prometheus versus covenant is, and I'm not trying to make this a star Wars Conversation, but then you have like the Force Awakens versus the the Last Jedi, and you have yeah, Jamie,
3: this every episode we have up, so far. <laughs> the
0: last three months of both shows. <laughs> no, but there's parallels there where you have people who's like, oh yeah, I kind of like this, and then the second one comes out, I fucking hated it, you know, um yeah. and not room for much in between, and which is where I'm going. And I think that we're it is possible for us to love something imperfectly. It's possible for us to say yeah, I really like this, but I really didn't like this. And But that's not the world that we live in. We don't live, live in fandoms that like things uh, with nuance. However, I think the alien fandom is very different. I think we allow that. I think we allow nuanced discussions and complicated discussions and say, yeah, this was really worthy, but I don't think that this was. Or I like this part in Covenant, but this part was shit. Um, because most of the time in fandoms, it's either do or die like you're not a real fan or real fans love everything. Um, But we don't live that way. We don't, our fandom isn't made up of people who experience these films that way. And I think it's a really great thing that we can have these conversations right now.
3: And I do feel like we moved on a little bit from that gatekeeping mentality as a fan, but I do think though that three or four years ago, um, I'm not naming names. I'm not naming names. I I do think that there was a lot of gatekeeping going on in fandom about like, if you didn't get something, then you weren't really an alien fan and and this kind of bullshit, which is, which is just such unhelpful behavior. And, and it's something that like, I think it's it's important for us to always be keeping tabs on ourselves just because we have this little platform here to make sure that we're not accidentally doing that to people. Because um, if you love something, then that's, then that's valid, you know? And if you dislike something, that's also valid. Um, Gene, you're going to say something.
1: Oh yeah. I was just going to say, as I, as I just kind of, Get to know the the alien fan base, especially through the website or through um, through this podcast, and then um, building better worlds. It does seem like there is a more of an accepting group of folks that are like, you know, oh, you didn't like that movie? Okay, well, we're not going to block you or anything like that, right? Like what Jamie says about Prometheus, you know, or what what you know. Both of you guys really the the the, back, the front and the back end are great, and stuff in the middle is a little vapid, which is hard to argue against that, right? But it's still not taking away. You're not going to sit here and say you hate the thing, right? So that, that's one good thing about the fan base for sure.
3: Totally. Although I do hate ABB Refrain. Um Well,
1: I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. I want to go back to my,
3: to my question. So, so to pose something to you guys and to those of you listening who are not typing answers to things, but I've got you here. I'm watching you. Um, what is your single... Oh Chase, I want to start with you. What is the best part of Prometheus? I don't mean necessarily in terms of scene or anything, but just what is what makes Prometheus great for you?
2: Uh, the best part is actually at first it was initially hard to put it on, but I think I've gotten to the point where uh, my favorite part is uh, David, and it's mainly the idea. You uh, touched on it before. I touched on it in personal conversations and stuff. Uh, he wasn't quite. I don't know. I don't know if he was up to the potential that I feel like I saw, but in terms of David, he was. It's become almost like a not a trope in a bad way. I shouldn't use the word, but I feel like it's. I could say to become a multi-trope every time an alien movie, you're going to get something with an antler, which is an important part of the franchise. And, you know, that's where a lot of the interesting ideas come from. Uh, but I think David was set up in that. Uh, a lot of that movie is about ambiguity and trying to be serious and not answering questions. And I think David actually fit really well into that. I think that there was a good choice to portray him. And the way they played it, uh, I think David was touching on it earlier is uh, you don't know quite if he's you don't know if it's something similar to ads. you don't know if he's following programming and then uh and then for if it's if it's company programming, if it's Peter Wingland personally, he's like Peter Wayne's personal model is what he, it seems like. Uh and I don't know how much his free because he seems like he was even though in like the promotional ads, uh which were great by the way, I love those mentioned recently. Oh no, that was in the But um the promotional ad showed him as like a pure robot, of course, but in the movie, he doesn't ever seem to be like uh, like this, This ro- he doesn't seem like a robot. He seems like an actual thing with these really complex thoughts and the disturbing ways of uh, doing things that comes from Peter Whelan. But um, I, I always stick to David, and I liked the way, even though it was maybe heavy-handed at a point, it was kind of a, like a, a real switch. But how he started out being maybe, I don't trust the guy, I don't know his deal. And then it becomes very clear that he is he's in a big space when he's doing these things, that does feel bad about it, he's interested and he wants to do really sure. And uh, and then also it was also lost in the sauce a little bit, but what they were doing with like family and father, father, and son. Uh David was the more interesting play on that than like figures in that in that weird situation hiding him on the ship. But uh, uh, I also I always go back to something that someone said. It was in a form, I think it was Sci-Fi uh, when I was, I got into that forum. I was like PrometheusMovie uh, and that was where I got a lot of my uh, my conversations with him for a while. And someone said once I don't remember who it was uh, that he was like the origin story for the devil that they Peter Wayland or the, the some god, and David was like infiltrated the gut. So David is. Like, he seems really complex to me. And uh, and that's why, that's one of the things, that's why I wish covering was more. Than Edgwell, because uh, that was the interesting thing with what Shaw was looking for. I created really big film fiction, her face. Combine that with really David, what he's doing, was, you know, trying to figure himself out, trying to create what he thinks might be like. I think David's really, really good.
1: Well, you, you Chase, you stole my, my biggest, uh, answer to the question which was going to be david um i think i think the first 10 to 15 minutes of the film is probably the strongest along with the back end also i agree although i i think i do enjoy the movie more than i think the three of you um i do agree there are some vapid moments okay chase you with me but there are some vapid moments in between and the character building lacks but um i i, I gotta i gotta say david also and piggyback on you there I think it is so intriguing to me to know that he um is not human but he is dying his hair and he's watching movies to to talk like actors that I have to assume he enjoys watching he likes how they act um just seeing an android emote um I thought that was awesome and and seeing how how he interacts with the humans on the ship and how he obviously Does he have an agenda? Does he not? And again, I'm not going to sit here and, and totally replicate what you just said, but, but I love that part of the movie. I love watching him evolve as a character, trying to figure out what his motive is. Does he have an ulterior motive? Um, and then this is more an emotional thing for me. Um, it isn't necessarily a profound scene in the movie, but because this was the first alien film or alien connected film that came out since I was a kid and I had watched one through three countless times when, um, I, I can't remember his name, Idris Elba's character. You know, he's looking at the hologram of the uh, – that those orbs had kind of, like – they'd kind of, like, filled out the halls of their – that installation. And he kicks away the hallways and it just – or the halls and everything and all the clutter, and it just shows the ship. For me, I look at that and I'm like, oh, okay, here's our – look at this. This is like your true blue connection to the alien films. And I like that, like made the hairs on my neck stand up. I was just like, ah. so, um, that like did it for me. That kind of cemented in my, in my mind as a kid watching the movie as like, I love this movie. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I would say David and, and David's character, um, and his development through the movie is is what really makes it for me. And then the other, the other big thing is seeing an engineer move like, a live engineer one that doesn't have a massive hole in his chest right like in the in the cockpit of the ship that was like crazy that was crazy see him wake up from his cryo tube and like kick ass like it was just like holy crap like i just have seen you on a in a cockpit like my entire life and like we're trying to figure out who are you what are you so that stands out too i think it's just amazing to see like the engineer come to life and and interact with people um pretty badass so well that's yeah, interesting
0: that's what, that's an interesting thing that you're talking about because for most that engineer being the jockey is like, no, that is not him, but you're cool with it. You're cool. Oh, no, with no, no, no. I'm
1: not, no, no. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying that that is the jockey. Yeah. I'm just saying, or the race. See an engine. Got it. yeah, just the race, just see Got them it. interact. and Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't connect that to the alien film, but just seeing them, it's just like, wow. So yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: But that, but, 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 but I think what Jamie was getting at was that the a lot of the 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 hubbub, the furor around this was that people wanted their elephantine, you know, uh, jockey that they kind of envisioned. That you know, there's this sort of continuing debate about what's sacred, you know, and and what's sacrilegious. And a lot of people, it's it's funny because in the in the first film, you know, the jockey is such a t- a tiny part of of it. I mean, it, it's it's you know a matter of seconds on screen but it's so incredibly memorable that it it lodges itself in people's conceptions of what alien represents right and and outside of that it's only been revisited in a couple of other formats it's in the dark horse comics famously for one but uh, by and large like the jockey i think i think part of what struck a nerve with people with revisiting the jockey vis-a-vis the engineers is that i think the only people who really have gone years and years and decades obsessing over where this jockey came from are like the really intense Alien fans, right? It's, it's those of us who like never got out. I mean, the, the first time they walk into the derelict and they go into that chamber and they see him, it's my favorite moment in a movie ever. Right? Like that's, you know, those of us who grew up obsessing over this stuff grew up obsessing over what was the actual story there. How long had he been sitting there? Why was he partially fossilized? What was going on? And so I think like the, when you upset the cart a little bit, you play with fire. And and this is why I think, you know, Jamie, we just had that great episode with our, our buddy, uh, Mr. Herman, the other day talking about um, the Star Wars franchise in, in addition to the, you know, alien situation. And, um, you know, he, he was mentioning how he hates the last Jedi just hates it. Like really, really hardcore more than attack of the clones, more than anything as a star Wars movie he thinks it's just sacrilegious. And I, and I a hundred percent understand that even though I love that movie, if I didn't love that movie, if I, if I, if instead of looking at a lot of the ways that it plays fast and loose with Canon as the way I see it, which is sort of like, you have to kind of upset the sacred cows a little bit to get deeper truths out of them if you look at it like it's uh, it's it's actually desecrating something, that it hurts a lot. And I think for a lot of people, the engineers being this big answer to this question that never was supposed to be really answered felt like a desecration to them. I think what <clears> I'm hearing from Jamie on Eugene is that um, the fact that you appreciate that shows that for you, it wasn't necessarily a desecration of that. Is that correct?
1: So yeah, I was trying to connect the dots on what you were saying there. So you're 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 saying seeing a living breathing engineer almost bastardizes the, the aura of where did it come from? In a sense, is that, it, I, th-
3: I think of- n- I'm not, I'm not saying for me, but I think for some people, that's something that I know gets brought up. I,
1: that's funny. Cause my, I had a discussion like, uh, about this with my mon- one other buddy who's watched the films. Um, not as big a fan as I am, but, but we can sit and discuss them. He, so I don't view the, um, seeing the engineer come out of Cairo sleep that way. Um, but there is one thing in the mid and I don't mean to go to covenant, but just real briefly that I view probably the same way as a lot of folks view seeing the engineer. And that would be the Xenomorph ultimately being a test tube, a test tube project. Right? Like I didn't like the answer of, and again, I don't want to stay on this because I know this isn't what we're talking about, but I didn't like those answers being so forthright. Like, here's where the xenomorph came from david was tooling around in a lab i feel the same way you're talking about the space jockey with that instance but for some reason and i i don't know why maybe my perception of the space jockey or whatever is i just view it differently but i understand what you're saying but i i guess i don't feel that way i'm just i'm more like in awe that there's another one of those and there he is moving and breathing and so but i'm totally with you cuz it's like it this is like sacrilegious to see one living and i can i can totally i can totally vibe with that but i guess i don't i don't go there with that
3: it's interesting when when we get answers to things that we don't necessarily want answered if those answers aren't in line with our imagination sometimes they can be really upsetting
0: you know disappointment yeah and i i also i disassociate I love the engineers. I love them. I think that they're amazing, but I also don't associate what's in the chair in alien as an engineer. I think it's something completely different. It's probably something more akin to, uh, what's that puppet show that was on sci-fi years ago where it was almost strapped. It was built into the chair or Dark crystal. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, but I love the engineers as what they are. I think that they're wholly unique and I haven't seen anything like them before. Um, but I also think the the elephant in the room or, or or one of the reasons why we coalesce around these movies is the mystery. And when you start peeling back the mystery, what's the point? What's the point when you start answering these questions? Yes, maybe like I, the engineer scene in Alien is a very short scene, but it stays with us. It stayed with us all of our lives because what the fuck is that thing? You know, really, that's what we're all thinking. What is that thing in that chair? Prometheus really didn't answer that question. I don't ever want that question answered ever, ever, ever. Um, and there's a lot of questions that I don't want answered. I don't want to, I don't want to know, like, I don't care where the alien came from. I care what they want to do with it. I care what the company wants to do with it. That's a question I, I have. Um, and so I think maybe again it's convoluted because they're uh, like you were saying gene and chase there's a lot of there's so much interest there's so much going on in those films that's so interesting um but be careful about answering questions that that no one's asking and i think this is when hollywood steps in and they start demystifying everything um you know again i'm Solo is one of those other movies where it's like, oh, how did he get that last name? Well, we're going to tell you. Oh, why is he called Julia? Well, we're going to tell you. No one was asking those questions. Um, and I, I think it's a danger. And, and you know when people are struggling to tell a story because they want to go back and answer questions no one was asking. That's not how you write a story. You have to, answer, you have to ask better questions. That's what makes science fiction good. And I think Prometheus on his face asks a lot of really interesting questions. Who are those engineers? What the fuck were they doing? I don't know. I still don't know. I think that, that it's a little terrifying. I mean, there's some speculation by the end of Prometheus from Yannick, which is um, Idris Elba's character. Uh, like, is this a military installation? I don't know how he came up with that assessment. It doesn't mean it's true just because he believed that. Um, we don't really know what the engineers were doing. And then even by Covenant, we don't know what that race was. I guess they were maybe engineers. They sort of look like them. They didn't look like them at all at the same time. I don't know what that was. It was very incongruous in terms of this aesthetic. Maybe it's just a space aesthetic. Maybe that was just their space equipment. And then that's the planet they live on, so they don't dress that way. I don't know, but even their architecture in Covenant didn't look like the same architecture. They didn't look as tall. They didn't look as white. Nothing. There was nothing. They're just very thinly connected um but i i i think like there's the question that was posed like i think that you could answer even though we're talking about prometheus i don't think that you can read not so much redeem it but i don't think that you can save it much like the last jedi for people ruined the force awakens i don't know if the people who who love covenant but don't like prometheus feel like you can save Prometheus with a third film. I think you could save Covenant with a third film for sure you could bring you could bring um Daniels back in Tennessee and David and maybe um Walter by chance maybe he got away or whatever in another derelict trip or whatever um You could really make it a fucking amazing and unique third film for sure, but I think Prometheus will always remain its own thing um for better or for worse.
3: I want to take a second before we get back uh, to the conversation to check in with our live audience who has been uh, committing some stuff here. Um, Stevie Douglas says, I liked Covenant. I have a love-hate relationship with Prometheus. Uh, Our buddy Rick, what up, Rick? Says, uh, Rick Howard, David is my favorite part of the film. This is becoming a refrain here. Uh, The opening minutes of the film have a special appeal for me. I dig Lawrence of Arabia. Galagia Belmar who I think was trying to record earlier, says, uh, sorry, I was having uh, audio Zoom issues and I don't speak English. Um, but let me tell you, uh, Jose, that we still would love to have you on. So if you do want to reconnect, you're welcome to. Um, Jared Colby says, let's just say Boba Fett versus Predator. <laughs> I would 100% watch that. That's actually good. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and oh, Predator, says,
0: that's fine. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, not, <laughs> not, not Alien. He says, me habría encantado debatir Con ustedes sobre Prometheus. Well, you're welcome to if you come on. So try to connect that audio. We'll do this in Spanish. Uh and Rick says uh it's uh I think this this when I was talking about answering questions and, and upsetting the cart. He said um, in Prometheus, you light the cart on fire and push it over a cliff. He wants his enigmas left alone, smiley face. That is a big thing, right? Answering questions that you might not want answered. And Covenant does that all over the place. Again, though, I think. What I do with Covenant is a little bit what Jamie is doing with Prometheus in that you are, for the sake of your enjoyment of these films, assuming, or at least internally your headcanon is reconciling it by saying that wasn't one of these engineers, that that the space jockey was his, his own thing, that that is something separate, right? When I watch Covenant, I watch Covenant, which is which is, I mean, Prometheus is presenting an answer, right? It's saying that that was the space jockey. That, that's what it's presenting to us. Whether or not that's true is a whole other thing. But, like, but on the face of it, narratively, that's sort of the point of showing these engineers. Um, in, in Covenant, like showing us a xenomorph is, is narratively telling us this is where they come from, right? But for my enjoyment of Covenant, which is one of my absolute favorite sci-fi movies, I choose to believe that there's more to it than that and that this is sort of a big fake out and that that actually is not the same species or that this is some sort, some sort of an experiment that changes drastically and, and you know, takes over biological processes, etc. And I also think, though, that um, the Covenant engineers that we see are very deliberately very different looking from the engineers we see in Prometheus and from the space jockey. And I think it's hinting at this whole extended hierarchy of different races of these engineer type species and that there are casts and things like that. And like, But again, if we get another movie that ties up all these buttons and it ends up that one of these engineers that we've been watching this whole time actually is the space jockey. And, you know, we see why this ship crashed and all these, and it's, you know, then that would, that would be, that would be terrible. And, and I think that that would actually almost, almost ruin covenant for me, uh, which sucks uh, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of banking on this idea that covenant is presenting more mystery to us than, than maybe it is, you know,
1: I'm sitting over here grinning because I agree wholeheartedly that as much as I would love to see the third act, if, if they try to tie everything up with a ni- nice little bow, <laughs> it could, it could ruin what little there is to like uh, about what's still lingering out there as far as a mystery, you know, because I, for me, may, I, I'm not as optimistic as Patrick. I, I feel like, I feel like Ridley Scott was giving you the answer. Like that is the race of space. And again, I, I don't know, maybe I need to not be so damn pessimistic about it, but I, I the more I, I digest the movies, I feel like, they really did just try to condense this down into something so simple. Like the Xenomorph was David's creation. That is the space jock. I hope I'm wrong. I I really do. And if we get a third movie, hopefully, hopefully they still leave some of that out there for your imagination. But I feel like if we got a third film to tie this up, my gut tells me that's probably where they would go just based on the the trajectory of Prometheus to covenant. And then to, but I, I hope to, god i'm wrong
3: (laughs) although keeping it part of my part of my optimism come and then i'm going to shut up because i want chase to be able to talk because he's reconnected again part of my optimism comes from knowing that originally there were many more movies planned for this so so this was something that was supposed to be evolving over the course of many more films and so maybe it is the case that covenant was trying to compress a lot of movies into one thing in some ways it feels like that a little bit right this is something we have talked about but I, i i personally i choose to believe that um Prometheus joke <laughs> there, that uh, that there is more to it than we realize and that the people who are writing these movies are, are really I, I mean I, I like Michael Green alone I think is, is an absolute genius and I don't think that he would let something like that happen I, I have trust in him but people, I don't you know? think
0: that this was Michael Green's story that he wrote originally I think he came in much like everyone else and rewrote it did another draft um right. it's very different but the but, but, I, but
3: i but I, I get but 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 he is he, his name is on it and he's you know tied up with it and and I, I just I feel like he wouldn't be if if what he was presenting us was a straightforward cut and dried story that ended kind of stupidly and I, I I really don't but again, we choose to believe in the things we choose to believe to help us navigate our anxieties about these films that we love so much and uh that's a, a big a big evolving thing for me as an alien fan growing up with this landscape of Crazily divergent films that are all over the place in terms of tone and in terms of quality and in terms of story, and, and just this constant bombardment of like, whoa, what is this shit? What is this shit? And then, like, do I actually like that? Oh, I guess I do love that. Or, like, oh man, that movie's worse than I remember. Like, Resurrection is an example for me where it's just gotten worse this time has gone on. Whereas when I was a kid, I was so nostalgic about it and I just loved it, you know, and blah, 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 blah.
4: Chase. I, I do find it um, talking about compressing movies and compressing ideas in Covenant uh for a long time i've said this a lot to my friend um uh, i feel like it's four movies i feel like it's uh there's a prometheus sequel in there somewhere under swept under the rug uh there's like an alien sort of remake uh there's a a new a sci-fi sort of action movie and then there's also uh something like even different than prometheus that ridley scott wanted in there so i do feel like they were mashing a lot because he knew and the studio knew that, you know, they, they may or may not do something after and they wanted something that they were trying to get something that would just be a crowd pleaser and it would be an easy profit and uh, would wrap stuff up, stuff up whether or not they do anything else. And then the other thing I was thinking with Prometheus in the way, uh, Gene was kind of pointing out how, uh, it's gotten smaller so far. So I like, I keep saying big ideas and big stuff. There is some interesting things going on, but it's funny. Um, I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid of those answers to questions that we weren't asking. You know, taking away mystery. I understand it, but I'm I uh, I'm not afraid of like the question being answered. But the problem is, it's it's almost always like recontextualized in a weird way. So it feels like Ridley Scott took some of the big interesting things that were behind Alien, and not purposely, not to to destroy anything, but he used uh, the pre his, the movie that he initially made. And he contextualized it like within Prometheus and it makes everything, it makes it feel smaller. Like I still love Alien more. It's still an amazing movie, but the way uh, it's just, there was, he could have done it differently with uh, the engineers. And one simple thing I think is the timeline. I feel like they could have, I know you can't go too far back because we're like traveling to distant planets and they have, they have spaceships with gravity and all that. Like you can't go too far back but um, uh, isn't Prometheus something like, uh, like Covenant takes place in 2104. That's only like 15 years or something before Alien, right? And Prometheus is like 2093. So it's just such a short time and there's so much they could have done. And that's why I was always confused when Ridley Scott would go on and on about six, seven movies and this could be Star Wars because it just didn't feel like, I'm sure there was enough mileage and story and ideas, but I don't think there was enough time for him to actually uh, do that within Alien where he placed it. So I think um, it's just he context. I think he he context, recontextualized Alien uh, on purpose, but he inadvertently inadvertently kind of uh, undermined it, and um, he built the foundation of Prometheus on it, and it minimized what what had come before. And then once they went to Covenant and they changed it to more of a, a classic Alien's you know sort of story. Uh, they, once again, they shut themselves off on both sides to where it's going a certain direction. Like Gene said, there's, you know, even though I was talking about how I would want like a, the colony story with David leading it and he has these experiments going on and that's where like the body horror and the the cosmic cosmic horror comes from. But I feel like you're right. It's just, it, it, it went on a certain trajectory, uh, right after Prometheus like was released and, uh, there was no coming back from it.
0: Yeah. That's, that sums it up really well. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know if I have anything to say that. I think that you're absolutely right. Um, to an earlier point in terms of the discussion of maybe the, one of the answers that we got in terms of maybe you're right, Gene, maybe, or Patrick, whoever said this, in terms of maybe what is in that chair was supposed to be uh, an engineer. Maybe that's cut and dry is what it is. At the same time, I could see a story or another film where maybe the engineers would come after uh, David in in covenant whatever world he and you see some type of whatever version of their species that they grew in that chair that is made to pilot those ships and does not leave that chair i think that could be they could still say yes this this is the species that that operate these things but this and this is how we do it this is what we've grown for this chair that's why it's this big. That's why he didn't really look when the, when the engineer in Prometheus gets in the chair, it's kind of odd looking. He doesn't almost look like he fits like he, he had to get in that ship and go after, um, or and take off to go after earth or wherever he was going to go. There, there is some room there to, to, maybe think they didn't have an engineer or they didn't have a, yeah. A, um, a space jockey at that point. Um, they weren't ready to leave. They put themselves in stasis. There's, there's, there's space there to, to tell that story or to unveil it just a little bit and have us see this grotesque looking, um, thing that's been changed by that black goo where they, they use it sparingly and specifically and, and they know how to use it. So they make sure what, what they're doing is they're augmenting brain capacity. They're augmenting, um, The way their body grows so that whatever is in that chair is there to stay Um, i think that's a way that they could do it that answers the question that Ridley scott has while keeping with the way he wants to tell the story um i do think that there's probably more possibility with a sequel to covenant than there is anything else like a sequel to covenant that doesn't answer and wrap things up in a bow like i think eugene is completely right like alien is not about having things wrapped up in a tidy bow. That's why alien three is so great because that's the reality. Sometimes stories don't end well and we've and in an alien, it makes sense that stories don't end well, you know, not because we don't want them to end. Well, that's just the nature of that universe. Um, you know, it's, it's 40 miles of bad road. I mean, that's, you know, James Cameron came up with that with that term. That's just what life is like as a trucker in space, a marine in space, or uh, a whistleblower in space is trying to, you know, save the world from what she thinks is impending doom. So I think that a sequel to Covenant could be incredible, um, and it could open the door to other stories that go off in a different direction. They just need to stay completely clear of Alien, completely clear of it. Don't even. We don't, they don't need to go any to any like if Ora J6 was going to be LV 426, they need to change that. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I think everyone has echoed this. I don't know if they're going to make a third film, I don't know if they're going to even go there again. I, I think it might be done. Um, I think it's that's a lot of baggage to bring. That's a lot of baggage of unsuccessful filmmaking to bring into yet another film, hoping maybe that they it works the third time.
3: Um, I want to take another break because we're getting a lot of comments. Uh, I want to go back for one moment. Uh, so Clara Feifei, our dear Clara, uh, who I think part of why I get along with her so well is that she and I watch movies the same way, which is we come up with like a million possible explanations for everything that's happening. And she has a great explanation here, which I think we might have talked about on an episode with her before. But she's talking about the variance in engineer size and et cetera. She says... Uh, I just want to say that the engineers living on planet four with similar gravity to earth could limit the growth of their population. If the space shock EBC and Prometheus spent most of his time in space and being genetically modified for space travel, there is the absolute possibility that the variation in size is because of gravity. So a, a, gravity is a great point. And who knows what their actual physical structures are and how elastic they are, but also they are a race of genetic modifiers and, you know, genetic Prometheans, right? So it would make sense that they would be working on themselves and changing themselves and altering themselves. Um, and I think the engineers that we see in Prometheus are probably, you know, engineered to be like the, the perfect, you know, example of their species. They're incredibly tall, incredibly strong, incredibly resilient. And, um, and I think that the, you know, the engineers that we see in Covenant who are the sort of townspeople, right, who are the ones cowering in, in awe and terror of the docking ship are probably not in that same class they're probably not genetically engineered for these kinds of things they probably aren't privy to all of the incredible engineering capabilities that their races can afford and i think that see but again like in my head now i'm coming up with I, I, like i'm literally as i'm saying this having a separate little fan fiction moment in my head where i'm coming up with a story that i like really want to go write down because I, I love the possibilities that happen when questions aren't answered but we're given clues to things and I, I really and so clara thank you for bringing that up i really do think that if we are ever going to enjoy these movies as much as we kind of could, it takes doing this a lot. It takes thinking, well, maybe this is actually what this is. Maybe this is actually what that is. And you can't do that if you get all the answers to everything because if everything's spelled out for you, then there's no room for your imagination to play to play tricks on you. Um, I want to also say that, uh, Jamie, I really hope that you can at some point speak to Jose Alegria Belmar because he is spinning some serious Jamie shit over here in Spanish. And I, I really, and I'm going to be butchering some of this, but I feel like he, uh, you, you will love this. He's getting very metaphysical and biblical on us over here. Uh, he's saying how it's important to remember, hang on, let, let me go through his comments here. He says, um, In Prometheus, it's easy to assume that like the map is an invitation and that's, you know, Shaw even says that, but it's actually a trick being played on humanity and there's this darkness at the core of this whole thing. And that to him, Wayland represents basically an antichrist figure. Um, And I think, uh, and he says there's the mythological association with uh, Prometheus and Satan. And he says, um, uh, Prometheus etymologically stands for the one who thinks before, which uh, is synonymous with clever and in the bible uh satan is clever was referred to as clever um and i think yeah so so jose if you if you actually Jose, i know you're trying to connect if you could type some of this up and send it into maybe in an email to us um i would love to read more of what you're saying i think it actually sounds really fascinating and i think that that's an angle we haven't really talked about that's up clara's
0: alley too clara loves that shit
3: yeah yeah so please so jose uh type some of this up so we can talk you know at length and and that way i won't be butchering your spanish too which which is, is i'm sure much more eloquent than what i'm saying here Um, but that's, 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 you're totally, you know, vibrating on our wavelength here.
0: What's interesting, what I love about this conversation that we've been having tonight so far is it's making me rethink Prometheus again. Um, and it's a movie that I've, I've had to rethink, not because I force myself to love anything and I don't, if I don't like, if I'll start a series or a show or a movie or whatever, and if I don't like it, it's off. I tried to watch that new Penny Dreadful City of Angels and it was dreadful and I stopped it um and so the first with one's Eli- good, though oh first one's amazing the, the the,
3: dreadfuls this, fucking this, this new fucking series
0: great. this new series looks like they filmed it on the back lot like know, for like ten dollars it's like um, season
3: two of uh of uh terror
0: it's just yeah, a complete yeah, drop yeah. yeah oh i need to watch season one again um mm. but what i i love that we can have these discussions and it makes me want to watch prometheus again um and see in it and continue to gather things from it that I haven't before because I'm seeing things in a new light now I don't tend to struggle this much with movies like Again, I like movies or I don't like I don't I don't I don't like to do a lot of work I, I, I don't I don't mean that in a sort of a dumb way Like I don't like to do a lot like I don't I I'm a thinking person Obviously, I, I like to think about things and explore them and peel them apart Um, but if I feel like it's work to like, oh discover this and discover that And oftentimes I don't have to do that as much because a character is doing that for me. A character is exploring that for me. And so in light of any real character in Prometheus, I have to do that work. I have to discover, well, what's going on? What might be the implications of this or that or this or that? And this is new territory for me because I don't do this with movies, but It's great that I can, because really, I don't know when we're going to get a movie announcement. I would imagine we probably will get one within a year or two um, once they figure out what they want to do and they've heard some reaction or whatever, but uh, I'm just, I'm grateful that we can have these discussions and have them be civil and also we can leave them and I can be like, I need to watch this movie again, a movie that I typically don't like to watch.
3: Yeah, I want to watch Prometheus after this and I'm going to leave the sound on people. I'm gonna leave this we should on. watch it together Patrick Even for the- we should oh, watch it oh we should get drunk and oh yeah yeah totally and record that as a shit show episode <laughs> it's not a shit show it's a It's a really interesting movie but uh, that's
0: no it wouldn't a be a shit show, show. episode
3: it would just be a regular episode we'll see no one. we'll see how drunk we get
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think eventually we should probably wrap this up pretty yeah. soon we've been going on for about an hour and a half um, but uh, yeah I, is there anything else you guys want to add any other new insights? No,
1: you know what? I, actually, Jamie, I was going to ask you this, because I, I know you feel there's a lack of character development, and really it isn't a character-driven movie, which, which I agree with you. Does it take you out of the movie? Is it that bad in your yes. opinion? yep. Oh, yeah. it, oh, it does. When okay. I feel
0: like I'm smarter than the characters, I'm done.
1: Okay, and, uh, all right.
0: Uh, and, and I, I, but it, it only happens like, I don't feel like, I feel like, I can I like Vickers a lot. She feels like she, she keeps a lot of her own self inside, interior. She's not this like vomit. Like when she talks, it just isn't stupidity. She's very quiet. So I, I can get into her a little bit more. Um, David's the same way. You don't know where David's coming from. He's also an android too. So I'm more invested in him. And those two characters are my favorite characters. Again, by the end of Prometheus, I do enjoy... Um, Shaw a little bit more because she's lost everything so now she's a little bit more interesting you know now that she's had some hardships she's lost her boyfriend she's lost everything um, but yeah right out of the movie right out of it and it happens in Covenant too there's some things that happen towards the middle two thirds way and I'm like checked out if I'm smarter than the, the if I am smarter than the than the characters then you got a problem
3: yeah, but but, but but characters make stupid choices. I think you know. I, I think
0: That's true. The Within, difference between uh, those two, so yes.
3: I would say, is uh, to me, Prometheus is anti-character. Covenant is not character driven. To me, I, I think that the things holding Prometheus down for me. Covenant tries to be
0: character driven.
3: But more than Prometheus does, I think. it yeah. tries think, too hard. And it, and it fails in some ways in that, totally. I, I think that, but again, like the David is covenant to me. Like I, I am in love with the trajectory of that character. I think it's so fascinating. And and he's also, you know, I, I, I if, if we'd gotten back around to that little section earlier, I would have been like the ninth person in a row to say David is, is the best part of Prometheus because to me, that character is, icon- is actually iconic. I think that is- I agree. I would agree. Character. I think yes. Vassander is incredibly well cast. I think he does such fascinating work I think it's written unlike any other android I've ever seen. I think it takes the Pinocchio mythology in an interesting direction. I think it talks a lot. In his quest to be more like us, it makes us look at ourselves and wonder why is he doing these things that are actually detestable and in Covenant become horrifying because he's in, in the this, in this search of becoming more human, right? Just like Roy Batty in the quest to to gain life commits actual atrocities, right? Like like it, I love how we get Ridley Scott directing a, a synthetic character and doing really interesting things there. Like that to me is Prometheus's greatest gift to to any of us. Um, and and I, and, I, and part of why I love Covenant so much is because I think it ramps up everything even more so with his character and it brings it into this place of real darkness and real uh, existential dread that I, I think is wonderful and terrifying. And it just, it's part of what I just fucking eat that shit up. I love that about Covenant so much. While I wholly admit that the char- the other characters are almost, almost, you know, not even worth paying attention to in Covenant other than advancing the story. And I think in Prometheus, the characters actually drag the story down a lot. I I feel like the characters in Prometheus, when I watch it, are what are making me constantly pulled out of the film and wondering like, oh my God, and literally fast forwarding through chapters of it. um And that is something that I would like to get to another point. So like Jamie, when you mentioned being, how much you are obsessed with Vickers, like that's, you know, your favorite I didn't character. say
0: and I was obsessed know. with her. What you're, the you're, fuck? You think the best thing you've ever heard? That makes
3: me think maybe I'm missing. When you're like wearing your Vickers t-shirt and saying like oh, perfect character. No, I, I I'm looking, I for, and, and this is this is why this is why hashtag bring Vickers back. This is why I was asking Gene and, and Chase and and Jose and Clara and everybody like and Rick. Um, and Steve, you, thank you, everybody, again for tuning in and, and, and being a part of this thing. What, what's your favorite part of our Prometheus? Is because I, as an Alien fan, specifically feel like it's my duty to to learn what people love about something that I don't get, and try to see if I do get it, having known them and listened to them about it. So, like, the, and, and I know Jamie and I, we, we kind of talk about this a lot. We have somewhat different philosophies with this stuff, but to me, this Prometheus series is an attempt to come to terms with something that I very strongly dislike, and to see things in it worth liking because i would much rather work through my dislike of something than be mired down by it because i am not happy about prometheus i honestly am not happy about it covenant i fucking adore prometheus i have been upset about to some degree for eight years of my life now which is (laughs) stupid right it's just stupid and it's been this thing that i just kind of ignore it's just sitting there as this like big elephant in my room all the time. I don't know why elephant in the room is coming up a lot lately as an expression. But it's something that I I shouldn't I shouldn't be mired down by it. And I and I care too much about alien to ignore it. I don't want to pretend it doesn't exist. I respect the people who like it too much to not listen to them. So I would rather work through it and find out if if I can see it through other angles, by doing this series especially, and I still don't like it, then I can be like, okay, this movie Sucks, but but if but if not, I, I have no problem at all admitting that I've been
0: very wrong about things. And my philosophy is: I want to know why it's so bad. I want to know why so much of it is so bad. Let's explore that. Because I'm I'm okay with me not liking it as a whole. Like even though I, again I find very worthy things that keep me coming back to it. I want to I want to like let's break that down. And sometimes um for some people they can't like you, Patrick. Like you're it's a struggle for you. But I think. A light bulb moment for me, um, as we discuss. you know, you have the original trilogy and then, you know, Alien Resurrection is sort of out there on its own. So I don't really, I won't bring that into it, but you have this original trilogy. Yeah. Um, Saw it seven times in the theater, actually. It's true. You fucking, Um, you had a fanzine about it. (laughs) I did. I did. I know. (laughs) But so you, there's a big jump here that I think people say who love the prequels or, and then, um, as opposed to people who love the OT and they can't get into the prequels. The jump is, you have the first three films that were completely driven by character, completely, you're in, you're with Ripley the whole time, You're, you're, you're fighting alongside her, it's tough, you're through the mire, you're losing Hicks and Newt, just like she did. And so then the leap is, oh, we don't have any of those characters for you this time. All we have are ideas. And that for people is such a big ask. It's huge ask to, to go through that type of paradigm shift. And I think that's a lot of the, the um, difficulty in fandom with these movies is people are like, well, what is in here for me? Oh, sure, it's good looking, but what am I believing in? I mean, you've, people have heard that from me over and over. There's no one for me to believe in. Who do I believe in? Um, and that's still a struggle I have with both of those films, except for maybe with Covenant. I really loved Ferris for a long time. I felt like her performance really was the beginning of the of, of covenant i thought it was fantastic and there are some other characters that i really enjoy as well um but then it it loses me but i also think walter's wholly interesting and david's interesting um but i, I just think as we continue to talk about these movies we should not just we as you patrick and i or gene or chase or whoever but as a fandom understand the fundamental differences between these films where you have a film that was about films that were about character and films are about ideas and most of the time unless you're talking about 2001 ideas don't carry a film ideas don't i you know i, I you know i i think of a film like um tarzan's the cell with jennifer lopez now the story was garbage but the ideas, the art going on, the style is amazing, which is why I've watched it over and over. Most people can't do that. They, they're they like, that movie's shit. Yeah, it looks pretty, but I can't watch it. Those characters are terrible. I, I completely understand that. So I think it's just important um, when the people who dig into Covenant or Prometheus and find all of these amazing things about it, all whether it's religious iconography or things that point back to, to other civilizations that that's not how most people enjoy films. Most people get through films through character. Um, and that's okay, but, and we can have that conversation.
3: But, but that's also why these you know, films have cult fandoms that have, that have built up. Totally. And that, totally. And, that, and that's why. And, and I did say that when Covenant came out, when I, the first time I ever came out on the show, I was like, I feel like this is a movie that will have a cult fandom. So I, I don't think with. that's true, but. I, but it is true, dude. There, there, are, there true. are so many. Look, the Facebook,
0: Facebook is lighting
3: up right now. People <laughs> are fucking writing in. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting a.
0: Goddamn. Just because you love something doesn't mean there's it's going to get a cult following. And the same goes for me. There's films that, well, there's things that I love that I know people aren't going to like.
3: But I do think that I I do think there's a cult phantom. But if that, I that's, think Covenant is Pr- we, we'll going to fare better series. than Prometheus for sure. When We get to our Covenant series, we will investigate that. Oh yeah, we have day, a lot
0: we'll of people who worked on that movie that we know personally that can yeah, come on the show. we are yeah. going to come on this fucking show. We're going yes, to talk about Spanish. We're going to annihilate it.
3: We have to. We have to <laughs> it's getting late. But I but I do I do think that one thing that you're saying, which I can't ignore, is is you know making this this um, connection to Tarsim like so. You know he's an he's an auteur, right? Like what you're getting with him is a movie that is a, a one-off piece of art. Right? It's style
0: over substance. Yeah.
3: What you're well, it's well, it's his it's his style, and the substance of his style is the yes. substance of the film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ridley Scott when he made Alien was not an auteur. Ridley Scott when he made Prometheus was. Ridley Scott when he made Alien was an up-and-coming commercial director who had done one feature film and was proving himself in a major studio and trying to make something that would work as like a Hollywood vehicle. Ridley Scott when he made Prometheus could have done fucking whatever he wanted to do and people would have signed off on it because he's Mm -hmm. Ridley Scott and he's a genius Mm -hmm. and he's proven himself. And that, I think, leads to, at least in my opinion, to a lot of the creative decisions that were so interesting and so divergent and so non-traditional with Prometheus and with Covenant. I think what we see is somebody who is allowed to realize their vision more uh, personally and more subjectively than perhaps they should from a commercial viability standpoint. But if you are if you are vibrating on that frequency, and if you get it, it's a very powerful thing, and that's why I think you see very passionate small groups of fans cluster around some of these movies. Anyway, for another time, Chase, Gene, first off, thank you both for being patrons. Seriously, of this of this endeavor, like you guys, like I don't know why, but you give us money every month. And it is an extraordinary honor. And we don't go a day without thinking about that.
0: Yes. And without thank you so much. thinking
3: about how much we need to honor that commitment that you guys have made in these shows. And for those of you listening, many of the people who are typing comments are also patrons. You guys are absolutely amazing. And we are pulled over with um, how, how lucky we are. So thank you, both of you, so much for that. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so eloquent and having such interesting things to say. And thank you for personally for getting me excited about watching Prometheus again and not muting it because I'm going to do that.
1: Hey, and real quick, let me just say, I know I said this before we were recording, but I want to say it now that we are, I value what you guys do greatly. And uh, it was awesome during, especially the lockdown here, stumbling upon the podcast, falling in love with it. You guys rock. Um, I plan to up what I give you guys on Patreon. I I extremely value what you guys do. I love it. And the fact that I've talked for an hour and 45 minutes with three other people about an alien film is amazing. So you guys rock, and I really appreciate what you do, and I love the content, and you guys are killing it. So And thanks for Thank having you. me on.
0: Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thanks for coming. And
1: enjoy, and enjoy my neck of the woods when you come and visit. Oh, I will. Uh, I will. Jamie. I'll probably
0: be there in a month or so, actually.
1: I'll be there, man. All
0: right. Mashawada, Wakatak. Mishawaka, that's actually (laughs) where, um, Mishawaka is where Adam Driver is from.
1: True story. And Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. He went to play High School in South Bend. Yes.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. I ran, ran into him at a bar one night after Notre Dame game. Got a photo with him too. Whoa. Crazy. Crazy.
0: Well, I think that that's a wrap. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, this is going to be available via our regular Podbean, Apple iTunes, wherever you can find podcasts, we'll have that on there. So thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.
4: Thank you guys for having me on. This was great.
0: Thanks, Jace. Thank you so Thank much. I have you thanks so much, thanks. All right, guys. Bye. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.